You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to On the Way, the radio show for the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. I'm Jen Delvo, Senior Coordinator in that office and the host for today. And I'm so excited for today's show because we have two fantastic guests joining us for this first segment. And they are Marcia Lane McGee and Shannon Wimpschmidt, who are co-authors of a fantastic book called Fat Luther Slim Pickings and also have a podcast you might have listened to, which is called Plaid Skirts and Basic Black. And so I'm so pleased to have both of you here today with us. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Yep, we're delighted to be here. Thanks, Jen. I would love to first start with just the opportunity for you guys to share a little bit about yourselves. You uh, both have such interesting backgrounds, and I say that especially because you both have youth ministry backgrounds like me, and I always feel like you have a particular brand of crazy when you've been in youth ministry. So, Amen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to all of that. But I, I'd love for our listeners to just get to know you a little bit. Chin, do you want to start first? We're very bad at trading off. Uh, <laughs> so my name is Shannon Wimpschmidt. I am a full-time pastoral minister uh, in the Diocese of Lafayette, Indiana. And I also, of course, co-host our podcast and wrote the book. I am a mom of four and wife of one, thankfully only one husband. Um, and <laughs> Uh, and uh, I've been in parish ministry for about 15 years. Uh, so just love um, life with the people of God in the pews. And, um, you know, uh, I bring all of that experience to my writing and podcasting as well. Um, you may be wondering why this light-skinned looking lady is here. Um, I'm biracial as well. My dad is black and my mom is Irish and German uh, and both grew up in the Archdiocese of Chicago, which is where I'm from originally. Great. Thank you so much. And <laughs> I apologize. I just kind of jumped on in there. Go for um, it. My name is Marcia Lane McGee and I am a convert to the faith. I am a first mom of one, a surrogate mom of 16 and a wife of no one. So <laughs> That's that's kind of, that's a, that's a whole that's a whole long thing. Um, I 
am. I have, I'm a product of the Archdiocese of Chicago, I like to say, because I graduated from grade school at St. Ignatius on the North Side, now called Northside Catholic Academy, and I went to high school at Regina Dominican. Um, I graduated almost 25 years ago, so <laughs> that's, that's a long time when I think about it. Mm -hmm. um, I, like Shannon, co-host of Plat Skirts and Basic Black and co-author of Fat Luther's Olympicans. I I, I really enjoy my Catholic faith and I love sharing it. And I'm just really excited to be able to do that in my, as a hobby and, you know, <laughs> all the, like all in all the time, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it is quite the hobby to just pick up and decide, let's do a podcast and then let's write a book. And I'm kind of curious, what <laughs> did prompt you to say, hey, let's in all that spare time that you have when you have families and you're a pastoral minister, because I've yet to meet a single person who works in the church and only works 40 hours a week. So <laughs> what prompted you guys to say, yeah. let's do this. Let's sit down and, and start this podcast. Well, there there are some gaps. I don't know if you've noticed. There are some mm -hmm. gaps in um, the Catholic world and Catholic ministry and Catholic lay ministry where there weren't, there weren't Black voices, right? Shannon and I have these conversations all the time mm -hmm. about, you know, faith and pop culture and spirituality and like all these wonderful things. And we spend a good amount of time on the phone in real life. And we're like, these are great conversations we're having, right? Um, you're super smart and super excited. I'm super smart and super excited. I feel like people should want to hear our voices. And we just kind of decided we're going to do a podcast. And we had, we had, it was nothing fancy. We had a Skype call and my iPhone. And <laughs> we just decided, like, we literally built the plane as we were flying it. And that's because we we just decided to start. We weren't, we were prepared, but we weren't, like, mm -hmm. really, really ready. Does that make sense? <laughs> and, um, and so that, that's kind of what happened. And we just kept showing up and kept recording mm -hmm. and kept doing it. And we got better and learned more skills. And here we are. And it's just part of our lives now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and the book, especially, I think we picked up um, last in 2020. It was like mm -hmm. December of 2020 um, with Ave Maria Press. And uh, that was uh, in some ways in response to all that was going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, all that was going on in our country around racial justice. Uh, but also, um, you know, they were they were saying, we want to diversify our author pool. We want to reach out to new markets, um, which I give them such credit for because they, they really did it very well um, and worked with us to really understand the cultural pieces in a wonderful way. And, um, you know, we said, all right, let's do this. But we didn't want to write something that was sort of like very serious about race. Um, not that you don't be serious about race or not that we're not in the book, but we wanted to write a celebration. And that's what it is, a celebration of Black Catholic culture, of, of our experience as Black Catholic women, and how we live out our faith in our everyday lives with our full, whole Black selves as part of that. Yes. And I think that's one of the things I loved when I was reading it. You know, I had the advantage of having heard your podcast. And so, you know, as somebody who always gets a, an imaginary author's voice, I was so excited for ones that have actual voices to plug in. But that it was so readable. And, you know, you could kind of 
go through it quite quickly, but then you'd come up against something and you'd be chewing over it for a good long time. You know, so it's it's a really phenomenal way that you put it together. And I love the the use of the stories. You know, you kind of take different liturgical seasons and then fold into it your personal stories, the stories of Black Catholics and the whole, you know, saints get folded in. It's a really great way that you pulled everything together. And I'm curious about why you chose the liturgical season to frame it. I mean, probably besides being one of the most Catholic options ever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I, I'm going to jump in on yeah, something here yeah. because a lot of the ways that that book is structured and outlined, mm-hmm. it is credit to Shannon and her teacher cap. Like Shannon was like, we're going to write this book. And I was like, yeah, what are we going to talk about? And so we were, I was like, I want to do this and this and this. And Shannon was like, Boop, teacher cap, let's wrangle Marcia for a little bit. <laughs> and she's the one who was like, I think we should, cause I was like, I want to talk about this and this and this. And she's like, well, those are, those all sound like liturgical seasons and let's frame it. So Shannon, is a huge credit to her outline, mm-hmm. which is a huge success to her book. Because if it weren't for Shannon being like, okay, let's do this way. And then like me, I pop in real excited about things. Like I'm a whole big picture. Yeah. And Shannon like, <laughs> details, right. And mm-hmm. so, which is great and works perfectly. So the way that we, once we got the structure of the liturgical season down and we had a lot more ideas and we could, you know, figure out what to do from there. Mm-hmm. And then even like the outline within the outline, Jen was like, I think we should have a saint and I think we should do this. And I was like, okay. Cause <laughs> my, in my mind, I was like, I want to talk about all these things. And I could throw all the things against the wall and <laughs> see what sticks. And they all pretty much stuck, but Shannon was the one who made them stick. Right. Like I was like, word vomit. And she's like, let's let's make an orderly word. <laughs> so, so when you say that, every time people say this is so easy to read, it's so this, and I go, listen, if you got Marcia writing the book all by herself, you would have all of her thoughts, stream of consciousness, Virginia Woolf style. Like that is what would have happened. <laughs> so, so I just want to say, like, I need everyone to know that. Like, yes, you got, you got both of us, but like the fact that you can read it and you understand why the direction it's like legit Shannon and her teacher hat. So way to go, Shannon. (laughs) I do. I do love an outline. um, Yeah. And I think that it, it helped us uh, in addition to sort of framing it in a Catholic context, it helped us to not only organize our thoughts, but to to really reflect on that cycle of the liturgical year in our lives and how our experience as women, as black women, as ministers, as, you know, like name, mom's name, whatever you want to name, all of that is brought to the mystery of Christ. And um, it's a way to reflect on the ongoing revelation of God's work in our lives and in his larger church, because that's that's how we connect. Um, and every Catholic experiences the liturgical year. So if that's a way for people to enter into Black culture from something that they know mm-hmm. um, and to see the differences in culture, uh, you know, the way we celebrate Christmas or Easter or whatever mm-hmm. it is, Um, But also to see kind of how that uh, connects directly to that shared universal belief and faith and experience of the the liturgy itself, then like we've done our job. And now you all get to see my cat as well. Here he is. This is Jake. (laughs) He shows up in every Zoom call. Okay. (laughs) Like it's a real thing. Um, (laughs) All the time. We love Jake. 
<laughs> He's the norm of our Zoom calls. Whenever he shows up, we're like, Jake! <laughs> well, if, you know, it's so unfortunate that our, our radio listeners are missing out on that. So all the more reason yes. for everybody to head to the YouTube channel to catch that. Exactly. Um, but one of the pieces that I loved is that you do start the whole thing off with the janky. And it just took me back to middle school. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, that as somebody who worked for the church so resonated because like the first year I worked in it's just like I'm doing Christmas cards. I think I got like six of them out somewhere around the baptism of the Lord. So I gave up after that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love how you approach that because like you said, Shannon, you know, it is something that there's bits and pieces of all of this that resonates. And I think for folks who might otherwise be maybe a little more hesitant or challenged by this, it creates that space that they can maybe be a little more open to what you have to say and, and what they need to hear. Um, I, I think that was just an absolutely brilliant approach to it. So, And as a person who just finished her thesis with like the massive outlines, you know, you're speaking my love language there. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> totally appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yep. Uh, um, we've got just a minute before break, but I'm curious if there was any um, major challenge when you were thinking about how to organize this and, and get started with all of this that you had to face right off the bat. I think one of the biggest things was um, even though Marcia and I think very much alike and in our podcast, we kind of have a, a groove, uh, we are two very different writers. And so trying to find that um, balance of like who is writing what and how do we get all of these things in and, um, you know, make it make it seamless um, was, was a real challenge. And so, and there were also things that both of us very specifically wanted to address. Mm -hmm. For example, um, the experience of colorism is something that I experienced very differently than Marcia. And, um, you may notice if you're on the YouTube channel, you may notice their hair is very different. And there's a chapter on wash day. I can't write the chapter on wash day because I don't do my hair the same way as Marcia. And so there are things that, that we, um, you know, really wanted to do, but we knew that one voice needed to come out more than others. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was the biggest challenge for me. And you can see that a lot in when the book is written, because someone wants someone who edited us both for a magazine was like, how is this going to work? She's like, you're an emotional writer and Shannon is an informative writer. (laughs) So, Which is funny because I was like, yes, yes, we are. But I think there's a real, I think that, um, she brought out the informative side in me. And mm-hmm. I think that I helped bring out the emotional. There's like a whole, there's a balance that happened while we were writing it mm-hmm. that we realized that this is a time for information and this is a time for emotion and feeling. And I think that I I reread the book recently and I had to kind of realize, I was like, wait, who wrote this? Did I write this or did Shannon write this? And I think it just worked really well. It was what was a challenge in the beginning became a huge benefit. Um, And it actually helped like aid in our communication and things like that. So I thought that was pretty great. Wonderful. Well, we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back and keep discussing.
Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. We are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know I'm only alive Because I'm a man that calls Jesus Christ I'm a dead man walking, come back to life Welcome back, and I'm your host, Jen Delvo, and I'm here with uh, Marcia Lane McGee and Shannon Wimp-Schmidt to talk about their book, Fat Luther Slim Pickings. Welcome back, ladies. And I love that we're doing this in Easter because I think the probably it felt like to me a big part of the book rested in your chapter on Easter, you know, and it just that felt very, very right, given our faith and how important Easter is. But there there was so much wrapped up in this and not the least of which is one of my all time favorite parts of the scriptures and Queen Esther's story. And you build so much around her. And I just love for you to share a little bit about the that that whole section in in the Easter chapter. So um, we love Esther, too. Uh, we do. Uh, and uh, the idea that that through Esther, if you know the story, you know, she um, doesn't want to in- risk her life to save the Jewish people. Uh, but she chooses to anyway, because somebody, her uncle Mordecai, kind of calls her out and says, you know, perhaps you were made 
first or you were made queen for such a time as this and so that idea that all of us are made for a time such as we live in god places us in this place this space this time that we're in for a reason um it's not just sort of a happenstance conglomeration of events um and in particular for us i think that emotionally resonates with both of us that idea that um we are called to to very specific work right now in our place and time in america and so um that's sort of what we wanted to focus on for this chapter is, you know, uh, in the previous chapter on Lent, we talked and kind of grappled with the legacy of slavery. And so how do we transform those wounds of all the things that we have experienced as a people um, descended from enslaved Africans? And how do we transform those into glory, into the glory of God? Um, and I'll let Marcia kind of pick up from there. <laughs> um. Another part of the chapter with Esther is I think that's, I think that really is the crux of what we're trying to do with our book because we are Easter people. And what we want to encourage people to do is the work, right? And when we say like the work, like, uh, we really mean standing in solidarity and true solidarity um, with those Catholics and other people of the world on the margins. And I think that was a huge part of that Esther story. I think it keeps creating new meaning for me as since like when we wrote it back in 2000 and 2021, right? Like mm -hmm. I want to say almost a year ago, we wrote that chapter mm -hmm. and a year later, it keeps meaning more and more to me and it keeps getting more complex. And I think that when you do, when you do the work of helping others and standing in solidarity, there is a cost. And I think that it's recognizing that cost and accepting that cost and being willing to pay that cost, not the price that Jesus paid, but the there there's a cost to doing the work and doing the work well. And I think that the story of Esther really exemplifies that. Like there's a cost to her speaking up. There's a cost to saving her people. There's a cost to standing up for people and standing in solidarity with them. And I think that um, I hope the story encourages them and that chapter encourages everyone to do that work. Um, and that, that keeps hitting home to me uh, more and more over the last, you know, 10 to 12 months since we wrote that chapter. Mm -hmm. This, I think, also relates back to that other little project that you guys <laughs> developed and found it, were founding members of. And I yes. feel like particularly at a time when we're talking about um, that transformation and the new life, focusing on what it does mean to be pro-life as Catholics. And I'd love to hear a little bit about the story of how and why you decided to be co-founders of Catholics United for Black Lives Matter. Um, well, on a different project, I was connected with um, one of the other founding members of the board. And we, we worked together previously for something. And she kind of reached out to me a week later and she's like, hey, a couple of us are thinking that um, we're going to do uh, this like a, an organization, you know, for black lives, you know, in the Catholic church. And I was like, that's great. She's like, do you think Shannon would do it too? And I was like, oh, Shannon and I are kind of a package deal. So absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we just are like, we're not really, but everyone seems to think that if I do one thing, she's going to do it too and vice versa. And, but I was like, I think Shannon would be interested. And I don't know if she has time, but I think that this is something that she'll make time for. Mm -hmm. And we kind of all went to that first meeting and there were a lot more than seven of us at that first meeting. And once we realized what we we're all trying to do we were like there were seven of us at the end they were like we want to be a part of this we want to share the message of black lives are sacred and 
We're not like CUBL is not the Catholic Black Lives Matter. I want to make sure that that's very, very clear. <laughs> we are united for Black mm -hmm. lives as we, and it's over and we're united for all lives. <laughs> like every single life <laughs> on this mm -hmm. planet is precious. Yeah. And, but we are like, just like the, the Black Lives Matter movement, we are focused on the fact that sometimes maybe not people want to be united for Black lives. And how can we um, help Black lives flourish within the church with um, the understanding of Catholic social teachings, with a consistent life ethic? Mm -hmm. um, and all of that, like we are still very Catholic and mm -hmm. we are very social justice minded as our baptismal call tells us to be and so we're kind of living out all that Shannon has a very like a lot better explanations for things like I said like, but I'm like this is great and it's exciting and Shannon's like well, let's bring it down so why don't you go ahead and pick up on that Shannon? well let's I, there's a reason I'm the communications director for Catholic United <laughs> I'm the community outreach coordinator so that makes sense doesn't it it seems to fit your gifts I, I have to say it seems to fit your gifts well uh, so yes CUBL, as we call it, um, is, was really formed um, as a way to respond to the Black Lives Matter movement, but also to give Catholics a place to direct that energy mm -hmm. where there wouldn't be compromising on the truths of our faith, whatever that would look like. Um, and we want to engage with both people in the church and within the secular realm. We are working specifically for social justice initiatives. We, you know, work towards building policy in our government, in our institutions, that's going to help Black lives flourish, and then also all other people flourish. You know, I think the thing that people maybe don't realize about why we combat anti-Black racism is that when we do that work, it helps everyone. Mm -hmm. right? If we're working on our, um, you know, implicit biases, right? The, the, the things that we sort of, the patterns of thinking we sort of get into because of the way society has conditioned us to think about Black people, that if we're working to combat those, that doesn't just help us combat them when we're talking about Black people. It's also true of every other person, right? All the other biases we have towards marginalized people. And so our work is first and foremost prioritized towards, um, you know, that work of anti-Black racism with the understanding that, like, if we establish things like maternity leave for people, if we establish things that are helping women choose life, that are helping, you know, um, children have access to good education, all of those things, you know, often that we do in the Catholic Church as just part of our baptismal call, that when we're doing those things, it's not just one group that benefits, everyone benefits when we work for the common good. I always like to say rising tides lift all ships. Yes. And we're trying to be part of the rising tide. I think that's so true. You know, you see more and more movements and you hit one, uh, Shannon, that I know a lot of my friends who are moms talk about is that idea of uh, maternity leave. And, you know, that's one of the great things about the arch is also the paternity leave practices here. And, <laughs> you know, when we and we see a lot right now also about unions and so forth, that all of these are movements that are linked to Catholic social teaching and are linked to things that have ramifications beyond whatever that one particular audience is of the direct action. And I think one of the downfalls of how a lot of American culture is structured is that it's still so individualistic and so focused on, 
kind of, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. And I think that's a myth, but that's, yes. you know, <laughs> the, re- the reality is. I wear Vans. I wear Vans a lot. I don't have bootstrap. <laughs> no straps. Right? I do have docks, but Vans mostly. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that it's it's such an important part of our understanding as who we are as Catholics, you know, and I think we also saw that struggle with the pandemic, right, that so many people mm-hmm. uh, were really challenged by making decisions that may not actually directly affect you, but affect the common good, and that that's yeah. part of our identity, you know, that's... Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this myself because, you know, like Shannon, I, I loved Marcia. There was one point in the book where you talk about how Shannon for fun does like reading theology and writing papers. And I was just like, I felt that, 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 <laughs> that's, I've heard my friends tell me that, you know, but like, that's, that's a lot of where I've had my head at with a lot of the reading of just this idea of how we're all connected by the spirit. And, and we really have to, um, invest in that and buy into that or else we're missing a key part of who we are as God's children. So um, I think it's time for another break. So we'll come back and I've got another question on Easter for you guys. Okay. (laughs) 